0: Your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wombach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included.
1: Patty, we're back in the studio and we have an incredible guest today. His name is PJ Dixon. Uh, PJ is a snow skier skydiver, amateur watercolorist, former wheelchair athlete, 10th degree black belt, women's self-defense instructor, international traveler, published author, motivational speaker, success strategist, and self-professed advocate of love. He spent virtually his entire life living by Henry Ford's philosophy. If you think you can or you think you can't, You're right. Despite being diagnosed with a rare form of muscular dystrophy that was expected to take his life by seven, he was encouraged to experience life to the fullest and do anything and everything he wanted without waxing religious and unintentionally running people off at age 28. He moved to Tucson without a job and was praying for some wisdom about what he should do with his life. He then opened himself up in hopes of receiving some direction and a beam of golden light came through the ceiling, hit him on the top of his head, filled him completely up and he heard one word, love. Every day he consciously strives to positively impact the lives of every person he comes in contact with in a sincere effort to make the world a better place. How does he do that? by actively loving others as much as he can and by teaching others to do the same. Peace, love and persistence are his calling cards and the primary three principles he lives by, which is why he made these the foundations of his life. And hopefully you will too. The boss free society podcast welcomes PJ
2: Dixon. Yay. (laughs) Wow, Tim, thank you so much. Like I'm, Completely honored. It's so weird to hear my own profile from coming from somebody else. The more and more I listened, the more and more humble I got. And (laughs) holy cow, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've done all that. I've had an amazing life. I was only expected to live until I was seven years old. And uh, when I was uh, 12, there were 25 people in the world that had what I have. And I've lived till I'm 46 in a month. And Literally, I've lived 39 years longer than I was supposed to. I've had an amazing, amazing life. I've been really lucky.
3: That is now, incredible.
1: In, in your in your uh, introduction, it says that you moved to Tucson without a job. Where where are you Where did you move from?
2: Ohio originally. I went to okay. college in Dayton, Ohio, but I grew up uh, about a half an hour north of Columbus, Ohio. So it was quite a leap of faith to basically move across the country. Uh, sure. Absolutely. You know, the reason I moved is because there was a martial arts teacher out here I wanted to study with for a little while and also spiritual teacher. And so that made the move easy. I also had some friends here, so I was able to move in with them for a few weeks until I was able to get my feet underneath me.
3: So I have a question for you, PJ. I almost called you CJ like my son. I almost called you CJ like my son. PJ, PJ. So what, I mean, from your background and knowing that, or did you know that you were only supposed to live a certain amount of time? I guess reflecting back on that, did you t- tap into that power and say, wow, there's a reason, there's a bigger reason why I'm here now and why I haven't passed on? It's because I'm supposed to do something really spectacular. So,
2: Yeah, how- it was, you know, when I was a kid, um, it didn't mean anything to me. You just live, right? Yeah. But as you get a little bit older, you start to appreciate life more and more and more. And I realized a couple of things. One, um, the only reason that I've succeeded to the level that I have and I've survived is because I had a great mom. I was raised largely by a single mom. You know, my dad was around for a little while, but um, largely by a single mom. And she didn't let me quit. She let me do anything and everything that I wanted to do, even when she was scared. Skydiving, snow skiing, water (laughs) skiing, whatever it was, her opinion was – You know, if he dies, including climbing in the Grand Canyon, which we should chat about maybe, um, her opinion was if he dies, he dies with friends and he dies doing something he loves. And so I've had a great life. The second piece of that is, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Do I have something better to do? Well, I figure one of two things. Either I have something to do in this lifetime, which I hope and pray, or uh, God's pissed and I have to work off some (laughs) karma.
3: (laughs) Well, I know I met you I met you last year, PJ, in December at an event and we had this kind of call to action where we were supposed to break a board and walk on a trail of broken glass. Not- yes, we did all that. And then I was just so impressed to hear somebody said and I don't know if I heard it from you directly, but that that you were a black belt. I'm like, what? And 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 just taking a look at your bio and everything that you've done, where do you think all this comes from? Just this sense of adventure. I mean, was your mom adventurous? Or like you just seem to really push the limits constantly. And even with what happened with the glass thing, I thought it was just remarkable how you said it. You're like, no, I'm gonna do it, right? People Asked you, and you're like, No, I'm going to get it done. Like, it was an absolute known that you were going to do it, and it was not going to be a big deal. So, the consideration of you not doing something that maybe an able bodied person would be able to do, it, it seems to me like it's not even in your realm of consciousness.
2: Well, you know, here's the deal, right? Like, you can't quit. If you quit, then you give unconscious um, direction or approval for other people to quit. And if you're a friend, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a daughter, Um, you can't quit. And so for me, I don't know how to quit um, just because I feel there's this commitment that I always have to have to other people. And despite my disability, I want to live my life. Like, there's things I want to do still. And because I want to live my life and do these things, you know, and I was raised with this attitude to just do whatever you want. I found a way. I've been to Japan probably nine times. I've been to France. I went to France when I was 15. My mom put me on a plane by myself. I mean, I met (laughs) people over there. My wheelchair went to like Sweden or Germany or something. I was out of it for 24 hours. So, um, you know, I've been to Mexico City. I've climbed in the Grand Canyon. In fact, let me tell you my story about climbing the Grand Canyon. Please. Because yeah, that so sounds fun. great. Um, so when I go to the Grand Canyon, I don't know if any of your audience have ever been to the Grand Canyon, but it is spectacular and it's moving. and um my degree is in religions and cultures because i really am fascinated by that kind of thing so when i go to the grand canyon it's not like everybody else where they just show up and they're like all right well that's kind of cool and then they turn around and leave i think the average stay at the grand canyon is like 20 minutes or something like that so when i get to the grand canyon it moves me this thing is so enormous and so deep that when you get there I feel so incredibly small. Like you can't look you look across and you have no clue how far across it is. Wow. You look down into it, and sometimes the river is five miles below you. Maybe not five miles directly below you, but five miles below you, and you have no clue like how far anything is. And so I feel incredibly small. When I feel that small, I feel incredibly humble. And when I feel that humble, I feel like I'm in a state of prayer. So I don't go to the Grand Canyon just to check it out. I go like it's a pilgrimage to mecca for me mm. but when i go i don't go to the grand canyon like everybody else i go and when we find a spot that we like i climb on my friend's back we throw my wheelchair under a bush or tree and we literally climb up and over the rail and down into it oh my once. oh yeah dude it's freaking amazing i love it <laughs> in fact i can feel like i can feel like the tingles going up my spine right now i like the thinking about it there. yeah 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 so it's not like it's not that we're not afraid in life right it's just that do you want to be paralyzed by that fear or do you want to press on? And so you have to – for me, I just let go of the attachment of life and I just say I'm going to live in the present moment. So I climb on my friend's back. We climb up and over the rail and down into the Grand Canyon. At one point, my one of my best friends, Jeff, is holding me by my wrists, literally squatting over the edge of the Grand Canyon hanging me over the edge of the grand canyon i'm literally dangling over and my friend tim is two and a half or three feet below me standing on about a fourteen inch ledge probably a thirty degree incline he's kicked off most of the gravel and jeff goes okay tim on three i'm going to drop him
3: one two
2: three my best friend let me go over the edge of the grand canyon and tim caught me and luckily right and then tim squeezes us between these two rocks we walk all the way out to the edge of this big um, kind of a peninsula of rock where we can just kind of hang our legs over the edge and look. And Tim slips on his butt and his back and he slides to the edge and his foot and his ankles go over the edge. That's living. In that one moment when you're faced with life or death, you choose life. And that's the way every moment should be where you're really truly embracing the passions of life, the smells of flowers. The colors that you're seeing, the shapes of objects, the taste of food, the beautiful uh, women, the beautiful flowers, everything should be enjoyed. And that's just the life that my mom gave me. She's always raised me to be appreciative like that. I've been really, really, really lucky.
3: That's so brilliant. and. No, I was just gonna say that's so brilliant because I I heard a few things that I just want to play back for people who are hearing this is the is the fact of the matter of pushing through fear right that fear the wall of fear what, going through it because on the other side of something bigger is just complete. Cool. it's so cool that you did that and then the other part of it is being present it's not about what if it's not about the worry of what could be or whatever it's about being present in that moment and fully living so kudos to you for that and especially for your mom i mean she sounds like an amazing woman that really grounded you in in living life to its full potential which i think is so powerful so
2: yeah And you know what you were saying about that fear and that pushing through that wall, right? This is what entrepreneurs experience all the time. The difference is that they don't stop. They keep moving forward. And so resistance, I like to describe resistance as like a membrane, where as you're starting to move towards something that's really great, you start to feel a little bit of resistance. And the more you move forward, there's a greater resistance as if you're pushing against that membrane. And then you push a little bit further, right? And it's really, there's a lot of pressure trying to stop you. And then all of a sudden, if you don't stop the membrane tears open, and you're free on the other side, now you can move freely again. It's amazing. It's just when people come up against some challenge that they stop and they can't do that.
3: So if that were the case, PJ, what do you think is the hardest part about being on your own, about being an entrepreneur?
2: Mm, um, being your own cheerleader, I think, is really important and combating self-doubt, because if you are with a tribe of people, if you go to work and you're working on a team um, to develop some kind of project, you know, you always have somebody to brainstorm with and, and bounce ideas off of, and you don't carry the weight and the burden of success or failure, So as an independent, you really carry 100% of the weight. And that's why I think it's really important that things like your podcast exist, that coaching exists, that you get connected with a tribe of people who believe and act like you. And one of the greatest problems with people who are just now becoming entrepreneurs on their own is all of a sudden they realize two things. One... Um, I have to be responsible for the actions that I'm taking every day versus going to work and kind of getting away with stuff and still getting a paycheck. And two, what am I doing when I'm by myself and am I socializing enough to stay happy? And a lot of entrepreneurs will go back to work because they didn't know how to orchestrate um, a social life after they became entrepreneurs. So it's really important, I think, for your people to recognize: Hey, stay active. Hey, keep friends. Hey, stay um, in some kind of coaching program. Um, these are important issues, I think, for people's success.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's really important point to make because a lot of times I think as entrepreneurs we get into a cave. We just go into the cave and you know we work for yeah. however however long, and then we can be out out of touch with you know the outside. The outside
2: world. Uh, you know, one of the problems with that, Tim, is that when we do get reconnected with the outside world, we have a hard time sometimes communicating because people don't understand where we're coming from and the sheer passion right. inside that we have. But the other thing is we don't know where they're coming from because we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. And so we're missing certain social dynamics that it's really important for us to find that balance and incorporate that within our lives. Now, did
1: you have a moment that you decided to become Boss Free? Did this
2: kind of just evolve? What what was your kind of trajectory? You know, brother, my whole life um, I've just wanted to give and share and do for people and I realized that I'm really limited by um, having a position or a job. You know, I literally was losing 13 hours of my day just going to work, waking up at somewhere between 4.30 and 5.30, so let's call it 5.00. Getting home at, say, 6 o'clock, there's 13 hours of my day completely gone. And then because of my disability, I have to have somebody come in who pr- comes in about 6.30-ish, helps me prepare meals and maybe change clothes. We'll call it like 7.30, and then I have to eat. Let's call it like 8.30. How much time do I have left in my day? It's all completely gone, and anything that I wanted. And so I literally get like four hours of sleep, and so or I was literally getting like four hours of sleep. And so now the point is that even though um, – uh so I guess circling back to your question is the moment that I realized that I wanted to be off on my own was the moment that I realized I think I was tired. Mm-hmm. I was tired of working for other people. And I knew that my goals, my aspirations weren't taking active um, steps forward, weren't moving forward in any way. And I needed to change that. When I did, all of a sudden I was with uh, a coaching group in San Diego and everyone I was in my group some 20 some people were like pj we believe in you this is the stuff you've been doing for you know ever for like eight or ten or twenty years depending on you know which aspect of what I do we're talking about and they're like what are you going to do and I said I'm going to go home and quit my job and two days later I went home and quit my job and you know it was scary however it's also really motivational and driving because all of a sudden you go okay what am I going to do where am I going to um Where am I going to make my my income? How am I going to make my clients? And you start reaching out for people because you realize that the people that you are working with weren't the people that could get you where you want to get. So you have to start reaching out for other people that are motivated, driven, and inspired. And what's beautiful is you immediately start to model upwards. And you start to look at people who have already done that. And so you reach out, grab a hold of their coattails, and you ride that coattail. And as you're riding that coattail, you're climbing up the back of their coat, Standing on the shoulders of giants, as Tony Robbins would say, and you're leaping off in the direction that you want to go. So you use the power and the wisdom um, and experience of other people to get you where you want to go.
3: Yeah, I would echo that sentiment 100% more percentage if it was over 100%, because I think the thing that has been um, so beautiful about this entire process, this adventure, is. I wouldn't have met you, PJ. I wouldn't have met Tim. I just, there were so many different people that you just immediately attract into your reality. It's really magical if you think about it. Just how things start to happen and how you start to put the wheels in motion and inevitably you will be influenced. If you pay close attention, you go with your gut and you're tapping into your subconscious to really understand, wow, this is the direction. Here, this person's giving me a nugget of information that I can take and and create something with. It's just the coolest thing ever. So I totally agree. It's just that it's almost that incessant, It's like I need (laughs) to be around these type of people now. It's it's incredible. It's almost addicting, isn't it, PJ? I mean, how do you feel? Because I know you get around, right? You go to different conferences and things like that. I heard you get around, PJ.
1: Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, what what are we talking about, Patty?
3: (laughs) Well, he is the love doctor, which we still need to get to, by the way. But I'm so (laughs) captivated by this particular
2: piece. Well, let me – let's – I want to go back to a piece. Yes, first of all, I do find that addictive. Yes, I'm very excited every time I get to go in, to an event. And I'm realizing that my group of friends are changing. It doesn't mean that I still don't have my group of friends, right? right? I still do, but it. it re- I realize that my conversations and the things that I'm really interested in are beginning to naturally morph towards a different population of people. Definitely. So it's important that we recognize, one, we've had some really good people and friends, probably before you actually jumped off and became an entrepreneur. Don't lose those friends in exchange for new friends. Just expand your availability um, for interesting new conversations. Um, Second thing, you said something that's really important. You said um, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, you got to get started. Well, really, that is the number one, um, uh, the number one arch nemesis of entrepreneurs. Freaking get started because I always say this. I say, look, do you remember when you were in high school and we hated homework and everybody's like, yeah, I hated homework. And, of course, you always have the one person like, no, I really loved homework. Okay. So neither of us are like that, PJ. <laughs> maybe you and I are not, but I'm not so sure about Patty. <laughs> so nobody really liked homework, but it wasn't the doing of the homework that was a problem. It was always the getting started. Right. Good so point. once that started, all of a sudden there was that natural flow. So if I could, like, really push the entrepreneurs that are listening right now to say one thing: just take action. Open up that journal and start brainstorming what you think you need to do to create new parts or features of um, of your uh, of your business or a particular program you're developing. Make that phone call. Right. Um, Clean up that pile of papers that you feel like is overwhelming to you so that you have no excuses why you can't get something done, because then your surroundings are clean and organized. Whatever that case is, if you feel some resistance at all, that is the moment you need to take action, because that is the moment that will cause you to experience good things. It's not the doing of the activity that we resist. It's the getting started because our habitual brain wants to be entertained and play. But instead, what we want to do is take action and realize that the action we're taking is enjoyable. And that is a form of play because we're allowing creativity in the development of our new company.
3: Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliantly stated, my good friend.
2: Thank you, darling. I love you
3: Oh, yes. So, okay. Going back to a wee young PJ, tell us about the evolution of what your career has been. You know, you seem very adventurous, um, entrepreneurially spirited, uh, very philosophical. You talked about all this. So kind of, kind of walk us through that trajectory of your career, getting to where you are now and why now is so cool, right?
2: Um, short version is I didn't really have a job until after I graduated college So, I went away, because I lived out in the country, it was hard, you know, I didn't drive because of my disability, Um, and so after I graduated high school, uh, I enrolled in college, in fact, to be honest, my mom enrolled me in college, had she not enrolled me in college, um, I probably wouldn't have actually known what to do, so good thing uh, for moms, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I went off to college, college was great, super parties, um, lots of fun, and then I graduated, after I graduated, I moved. I like I didn't know what to do. Um, sometimes I think it would have been better for my mom to leave me in Dayton, Ohio, instead of saying, "Oh, well, congratulations, you want to move back to you know small town USA." And I moved back to small town USA and got stuck. And so for several years um, after graduating, you know, I would look for jobs. I tried to start my own business. I tried to start a couple of businesses, and I just didn't know enough about it. And so then. Um, at some point, I um, met up with this group of people that were doing the martial arts that I was also doing. Um, they were doing some of the spiritual training that I wanted to get involved in, and I met some people that invited me to come out to, um, to Tucson. Now, somewhere in there, I had a job working at a restaurant, and you know, I had a college degree, and I was basically being a host. And so, I definitely wasn't right. I definitely wasn't using mine, because uh, if you've ever seen me carrying trays and stuff, my little hands aren't really going to do that. <laughs> I'm entirely too short in my wheelchair to see over the bar. So um, uh, serving drinks was not really my thing. Although, give me a good straw and we'll talk. Um, so um, I moved to, to Tucson. And when I came to Tucson, I started looking for a real job. Now, all in that time, I've been doing motivational speaking for corporations. I've done television interviews, um, local and national. I have um, done radio shows. I've been speaking in front of audiences of five or six hundred people. I've been in corporate boardrooms. I've been at nonprofit organizations helping them raise money. Like so I've always had this kind of work. I just wasn't paid for it because you know I was an innocent kid doing motivational speaking because that's the way I was raised. From the time I was seven years old, I've always been in front of audiences. I just didn't know any different. So I came out here and I realized, hey, you know what? I gotta get a job. I need to get some money. So I found a job working at an anti-tobacco program. For about three years while the program um, was still funded, it was phenomenal. I met all these kids. I did all kinds of um, really cool projects. I met just lots and lots of really influential people. In fact, I was awarded a couple of different times for helping Arizona go smoke free because of some of the activities I did. Um, I, after that, started my own nonprofit organization um, running anti tobacco programs for schools. And I stayed on with this particular company, which was a nonprofit organization helping. Um, high school students do entrepreneurial endeavors. We were fairly successful um, in a couple of different areas. Like, in fact, one was a teen nightclub where we were actually making a fair amount of money, which is nice. Um, I worked on an, anti, uh, an abstinence project for a while. And it wasn't abstinence based on spirituality or people's religion, but it was abstinence based on just the, the facts. Like when people got involved in um, sex too early, that link, that attachment between the two people – um, at least on, um, one side was there and then often the boy would go running away and the girl would get heartbroken. And so, um, I taught abstinence for a while. Um, I could, golly, I could go on and on and on. I've been in virtually every school out here in Tucson, um, talking about virtually everything. I mean, um, I've done youth and family, um, advocate groups. I've taught family strengthening courses. Um, I've worked one-on-one with, um, women and, uh, helping them overcome obstacles to get reconnected with relationships. I've worked with um, husbands and wives to help them strengthen the relationships. You know, And it's always really beautiful and nice to get that thank you card that says, you saved our marriage. Thank you. And so I've done all of those kinds of things. And then at some point, um, I was doing some amazing work with kids that were in and out of DOC and juvie, you know, gangbangers, um, car thieves, drug dealers. Um, and to be honest – and they were out. They had gotten out of DOC, and so they were in a day program that I was working with. And to be honest, they were amazing, amazing kids. All along, I'm doing my own motivational speaking, right? All along, I'm still doing work with Monster.com at a, uh, a uh, diversity leadership program. So I'm being called out to different colleges around the, the country to do some work on a, a leadership program. Um, I've worked with people helping them you know, with resume writing, interviewing skills, conflict resolution, money management, all of that stuff. So anyway, back to these kids. I was working with this kid. These kids, gangbangers and um, car thieves and um, and drug dealers and just hardcore kids. And they were some of the nicest, mm-hmm. nicest kids I've ever met. They just needed somebody to love them and care about them. And I was working for a lady who, unfortunately, would go into the schools and before she would give the presentation, or rather, before she'd allow us to give the presentation. She would reprimand the kids and um, give them a hard time about. You will pay attention and you will listen to what these um, what my employees say and you will participate and you will turn off your cell phones. Dude, really? Like she's literally driving people away and it was so horrible to have to follow that. You know, because I can I can change the audience and all that and that's great, but it was just really really rough. So. At one point – and this is a much longer story than it needed to be. I apologize. Let me kind of get – No, to the-
3: this is all relevant. It's all relevant.
2: Okay, okay. Well, it's, <laughs> it's relevant because it's emotional, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The decision that we have make is based on emotion and usually like that's the biggest thing that drives people towards entrepreneurialism is I can't take it anymore. So that an emotion or like I'm so passionate and so excited. So again, emotion. So I'm sitting in a class of probably 15 gangbangers – in a class that I used to run, and, you know, basically not really a class, like a group uh, conversation, and we had literally just hired a PhD social worker, and she'd been there less than two weeks, and she stepped up to one of the kids, and I forget what she said, but what she said offended the kid, and he was literally sitting right next to me on my left side, and we were sitting in a circle, and she's standing in the middle of the circle, and she said, uh, "She whatever she said, I can't remember, but it was offensive to him, and he said, ma'am... Um, Please don't speak to me like that. I don't like it when people speak to me like that. He did exactly what I trained him to do prior to her coming on board, right? Assertive, honest, direct, polite, respectful. And she stepped towards him and she said it again. Now, look, these are one, these are um, kids that are from the street. And two, these are males. And males, when you step towards a male, that's a sign of aggression and the natural response is for them to aggress back. So she literally stepped towards him, said it again with a little bit deeper and more intention to her voice. And he said, "Ma'am, please don't speak to me like that. I don't like when people speak to me like that. She stepped towards him a third time and she said the exact same thing. And again, increased her intensity. This kid stood up right beside me and he looked down at me and he, and he, he looked at her and he goes, Ma'am, I ask you not to speak to me like that. Don't speak to me like that. I hate it when people speak to me like that. And he looked down at me and he said, PJ, isn't uh, He goes, PJ, didn't I already ask her twice? And I said, you did, buddy. You did. Just have, have a seat, man. I think that she's um, trying to make a point. So just hang in there. Let's let's see if we can get to the point. Okay. After that, like everybody, because uh, we, we always transported them home. So after that, they were transporting home. And as I was walking down the hall, She was in her office crying, and she wasn't just crying in her office, but her, um, uh, what's it called when you have a student that, uh, her mentor, mentee, mentee? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, there was a PhD candidate that was studying on her. Exactly. And I can't remember exactly, but she's in her office crying to her. And I walked in, I was like, are you okay? What's wrong? And she said, you didn't get my back out there. You sided with the kids. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So this was the downfall of me working the corporate life because Mm. at this point I realized this wasn't going to work. Literally a week later, um, my boss called me in and said, well, I understand that – it's been my observation that you've let the kids get away with everything um, that they've ever wanted to get away with. And and then her boss, who was in the office also, looked at her with kind of big eyes and she said, oh, well, I I mean, um, you know, we're actually – Where our grant money is actually running up because it's a nonprofit organization. Our grant money is actually running up and you know, we're gonna have to like reduce your hours basically to an unlivable wage six hours a week. Oh my god. Yeah, come on, right? Or um you can take uh you can take um uh unemployment and I was like, I'll take the unemployment, peace out. And I was crushed because I loved those kids and I gave my heart and soul to them. To see what I could do for them, and I changed lives, and I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, but I really made connections with these kids. That when I run into them now as young adults, they're like, "Man, that was great! You really influenced my life." You know, I'm married now, I've got kids, and I'm out of that world. And you know, so it was really, it's it's still even really rewarding now. Mm-hmm. So nine months, no job. wound up getting a job at a um, at uh, a company that helps people that are unemployed get uh, uh, get reemployed, basically. And so I taught resume writing, interviewing skills, application, how to fill out applications in a way to get noticed, and loved it, and loved it for six and a half years. But at some point, I was like, man, I'm teaching the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. My motivational speaking business has kind of um, slipped to the waist, uh, to the side, and I'm not where I want to be. And so I realized that when I got involved with this coaching group, and that's when I met you, you know, all of a sudden I realized I am with my tribe, I'm with my people, and it's time to jump. And so, you know, I uh, I stepped up and said, okay, when I go back, you know, to Tucson, I'm going to quit my job. Two days later, I put in my letter of rec- uh, resignation. And um, scary at first, exciting um, now, and still scary, but also still exciting. And at this point, it's just a matter of pressing forward, right? Absolutely. Okay, sorry, that was a long story. No,
3: it was all relevant. It talked about that whole process of the people that you had to deal with who yeah. don't sound to be very pleasant and probably just miserable in general. Yeah. So it's just not a good environment for you because it sounded like you weren't in the right type of of situation to bring out the best of you and what you could offer, right? They weren't looking at the bigger picture of the impact, the return that they were getting based on the work you were doing with, with those kids. And it's a shame, but all that means is that that wasn't for you, right? It's just, it's opening up a path of where you should be looking at. So talk to us about PJ Dixon, where he is moving toward now, your program, what you do is a kind of coaching. Yes.
2: Yes, absolutely. And right now, you know, I have a program that I call engaged in one year. And I work with women to help them uh, find and attract the man of their dreams. But first, you know, we have to remove some of the, um, the old stories that they might have and move them out of the way. And I just have recently developed a soulmate attraction system, which essentially helps women shed the weight of their past and become more of who they really are so that they can attract the man they deserve. And this is a 90-day program because it's more accessible for people than the year-long program. And it just opens them up to realize where they are and who they are and what has been an obstacle for them in the past. And then we start to help, or I help the women start to realize that there are ways to speak to men and that men actually, believe it or not, very often are waiting for that ideal woman so they can be monogamous. And women are really like amazed at the things that I tell them because a lot of times they're like, wait, I didn't realize that men actually liked A, B, or C. And they do. They want to be – men love to be snuggled. Men love to be touched. Men love to be um, caressed and nurtured. Why? Because as a man, we're all about the masculinity and that strength and that weight and the power all the time. But on occasion, wow, it's really nice for a woman just to embrace us and that femininity just nurtures us and we just melt. And so I help women to realize – the value of femininity, re-embrace that and more importantly begin to implement that within their relationships and when they start to feel comfortable with themselves and start to feel beautiful again, what's really beautiful is that all of a sudden they start to attract the eye of men whether they intended to or not, the just naturalness of that starts to draw men to them and then I teach them from that point how to get involved in a relationship, a healthy relationship and move forward with that. Um, providing massive amounts of value for the man that they really care about. And then when he realizes, wow, I can't imagine my life with anyone but her, all of a sudden that Will You Marry Me has come, and it's really beautiful.
3: That's brilliant. Really,
2: thanks. I'm grateful to be a part of love. I love love.
3: Yeah, so t- talk to us about um, when Tim was reading in the intro, peace, love, and persistence are your calling cards. Can you explain more about that? I'm, and I'm assuming you're, you've incorporated that into your coaching as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, peace comes from within, right? There's a word agony. We all know the word agony. What do we think that agony means? What do you guys think? Well,
3: out. yeah, I would say um just an uncomfortability, but that's almost an uncomfortability that you just don't want to have in your life. Like it's like, "Oh, I I I want it out. I want it gone."
2: Pain. Pain.
3: There you go. Pain. Yeah.
2: So agony is this tremendous amount of pain, right? But if you take the original root of it, agon, it means to be at war with. And so if you are wrapped up in the stories of old inside of your mind and you're worried about the future, the what-ifs of the future, and you're not focusing on the value of the present moment, then you're in agony. You're at war with yourself. So I help women, first of all, and actually some men too, but I help women, first of all, focus on where they are presently recognize what their stories are. And once they find a place of peace, peacefulness is this beautiful sense of, um, more often than not, it's a sense of femininity, um, because it's open and receptive. Now there is a masculine side of peace too, which creates a safe space for people to live in. So masculinity creates kind of the safe area and femininity embraces and, and welcomes people into your life. So there's peace, right? When people come into your life, And they feel when they come into that place of peacefulness, all of a sudden they become restful. When they become restful, um, then they start to appreciate you. They become open and receptive. So here's the process to love, right? They become open and receptive. When they become open and receptive, they start to appreciate the things around them, including that relationship. And when they start to appreciate, then there's a sense of gratitude. And appreciation and gratitude are different. Appreciation is open and receptivity and gratitude is actually recognizing something and being grateful for that and then after that there's a natural flow into love so openness and receptivity leads to appreciation which leads to a sense of gratitude which leads to love and so once that love is there between two people whether it's romantic love or friend, uh, the love that two friends have it's still there and then from there then persistence is what we have to really be attentive to because sometimes um, relationships can take a little bit of work and so we need to make sure that we right?
3: Yeah, it's uh, I would say more than sometimes but
2: <laughs> But we want to persist it's Definitely like, I'm in love with you for some reason whatever it is friendship or you know servitude or um, I just am madly in love with you and my little heart goes pitter-patter pitter-patter every time I still, <laughs> Like I really want to. I want this to last so I have to perse- persevere towards what I want, and when people fight, they often fight for themselves, and I always tell my couples that I work with, don't fight for yourself, fight for each other, fight for the relationship, fight for understanding the other person, fight for unity and connection, because that's what love is, and it's the union of two consciousnesses, joining together to become one, not losing their themselves, but becoming one, and so you want to persist with that against all the Um, adversity and, and distractions of everyday life. And then when you have that, when you persist in your love and you persist in your faith and you persist in your kindness, you persist in your generosity, persist in your willingness to listen and understand your partner. All of a sudden, whether that partner is your best friend or your lover, you have a healthy relationship and that's the flow. That's the flow.
3: Brilliant. And, so tell us, what authors inspired you or how did you learn all this?
2: Mm, great question. I love this question. I love to read. When I was a kid, I hated to read because I felt like reading was something that you had to do. It was school. a chore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homework. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Homework, right? And so then I went to college and I met some uber intelligent people and I was like, holy crap, it's Like, if I want to hang out with these guys, I need to start to read. So since I'm really interested in religions and cultures, I spend a lot of time reading things um, on Buddhism because I'm largely Buddhist, maybe not 100%, but largely Buddhist. So I read a lot of um, old scriptures from Buddhism. I read a lot of spiritual texts. Um, I love the Bhagavad Gita. It will change my life every single time I read it. It changes my life just to think about the book. Um, The book Siddhartha by Hermann Mm -hmm. Hesse immediately changed my life. I was 18. My sister said, read this. I said, Carrie, I don't read. She said, read this. I said, (laughs) I don't read. She said, read this. I said, okay. And as I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly how I believe. And I didn't know I believed like this. Mm -hmm. This is how I believe. This is exactly how I believe. The Life of the Buddha, like literally that book changed my whole life. And so if I look at other books beyond that, I read a lot of business books, but I also read a lot of like um, Wayne Dyer's got some amazing stuff um, Tony Tony Robbins has some amazing stuff but I'd probably read a lot more stuff right now on spirituality on relationship stuff and I can't think of any particular book right now other than I literally just bought another copy of the Bhagavad Gita yeah. and it's four feet from me right now Man, just- I'll
3: have to read that one again it's been a long time since I read it and I think it's worth reading it again from a different perspective because I think when I read, it, I was in my 20s. And so I would definitely read it and, and see it in such a different light.
2: When you do, before you read it, make sure that everything is quiet. Get some tea, you know, light a candle, create the environment for um, openness. Because yeah, I'm going to
3: fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> if I do all that.
2: <laughs> the, uh, the one calling card of all entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. I am exhausted and so I shall lay down.
3: Oh, that's that's so funny because so- I'm always I always feel that way. But I'd rather crank. You know, I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm so in my element. I love what I'm doing. I'm so passionate about the work that I do that literally I can work all day long. And if I'm like, man, I got to sleep. Like, I almost think of it as a hindrance, you know, like, who has time for sleep? There's so much going on.
2: That's what oh. I oh. my job, right? I was like, I don't have time to go to work. Exactly. It's a, work yeah, up?
3: it's in the way. I'm sorry, Tim, you were saying?
1: I was just going to ask PJ if there's anything that we haven't covered about about him, about what he does, about love, uh, that you want our listeners to know.
2: You know, Tim, um, thank you. I appreciate that. I really am hoping that any of your callers, women specifically, who might be interested in getting engaged in a year – I would hope that they would reach out and give me a call or shoot me an email and express some interest. And any men that are out there who have some really good girlfriends, um, not girlfriend, but girlfriends, who they realize that, you know, or sister maybe, that they realize, hey, you know what? I love my sister. I love my friends. And I would love to see them be in a happy, healthy relationship. Give them my number. Give them my email. Have them call me or email me. And let's do a half hour, 45 minute one-on-one coaching call, and just see where where you are in your life, and what's worked for you up to this point and what hasn't. Let me give you some juicy morsels, uh, something juicy and delicious that you might go, "Wow, I didn't know that." Let me try that. That makes a lot of sense. That's brilliant. I, uh, thanks. I I made a suggestion to one of my uh, clients just the other day. I said, um, "Hey, whenever you know you see somebody that you're attracted to, look at them slowly." And I said, "You got to look at him slowly." This is a lady. I said, you have to look at him slowly. And when you look at him slowly, pause for about three seconds and smile at him. And then make a little bit bigger smile and turn and walk away. And if he chases you, then all of a sudden you know right away that he is worth talking to. Why? Because he was courageous enough to follow you. Right. <laughs> so as a woman, it's really beautiful if you get to lead in some ways. Not always, but in some ways. And so she found herself on stage. She's an attorney. And she found herself on stage, and she said there was a guy in the audience that caught her eye. And so she did that. And she's like, oh, no, my God, it worked. She's like, I couldn't walk away because I was on stage. But as soon as I was off stage, he immediately found me and spent the rest of the afternoon with me.
3: Love it. See? Boy, you have an eye for love, my friend. That's for sure.
2: I do. I sincerely love love. And (laughs) I think I have maybe an even better eye for what's causing people— um, resistance and struggle with inside of them. Sure. And if we can recognize that, because that's the foundation, we gotta get rid of those old stories. We gotta not be paralyzed by our fear, right? And yeah. let me let me rephrase it. It's not that we've got to, because I co authored a book um, and my chapter is called The Get To Versus Got To Principle. Mm. Right? If I tell you that we've got to do something or you've got to do something, nobody likes to be told what to do. Inherently we resist being told what to do. Right. Well, because it's about slavery, and slavery means that we have no power, and when we have no power, then our our minds, our primal brains can't keep us alive. And so anytime somebody tells us we have to do something, there's often a resistance, okay? And this works with parents and their children, too. And so it happens the same in your own brain. If you say, I've got to do this, or I have to do this, or I must do this, or I need to do this, all of a sudden there's a resistance on another part of your brain that says, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. You can't or uh, boss me around like that. And so nothing gets done. Ask yourself, do you have a pile on your desk somewhere that you tell yourself, oh, I really have to clean that up? And how long has it been there? Because you resist cleaning it up. You resist getting started. So instead of saying, I've got to do something, when you say, I get to... I get the opportunity to, I get the chance to, I have the option. It's really beautiful because all of a sudden we have choice. Yes. And there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's free people and there's slaves. Slaves don't get choice and they resist anything telling them what to do. Free people all of a sudden recognize that they have a choice. So when you say, I get to do this, I get the opportunity to make those phone calls. I get the chance to um, go and make a sales call. All of a sudden, freedom starts to come, and you lighten, you open up, and you become more connected to the people that you're working with because you're not resistant anymore.
3: Love it, PJ. Sound advice, sage advice from someone who knows. (laughs) So tell us, PJ, what do you foresee for your career, for your entrepreneurial career over the next, say, year or two? You know, where is it you want to be?
2: I would say that in the next year, I would like to make sure that my new soulmate attraction system, 90 day system, um, gets at least two good runs. I'd like to see three good runs before the end of the year. Um, I'd like to see, you know, at least three or four of my clients get um, engaged in, you know, say the next six or eight months. And from there, um, I'm hoping to do some more podcasts because I really enjoy this. Um, I'm really hoping to get on more stages and do some more presentations that way. And, you know, I want to do some more traveling. I've got a trip to Japan planned in May, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that. But um, we'll see whether or not that pans out this time. I'm thinking about starting um, the Soulmate Attraction System before I would leave for, for Japan. And I wouldn't want to interrupt the flow of that. So I'm really debating about the timing Of uh, this particular trip. If not, I'll probably go in June or July.
3: Lovely. So, we are going to have more on how you can get a hold of PJ. And if you're interested in an exploratory coaching call with PJ to find out how he can help you to get engaged, or if you know of someone who's looking to be engaged in 12 months, all that information will be in the show notes as well as the books that he discussed and just. The way to get a hold of PJ on all his social media handles as well. Um, Tim, do you want to ask the last question?
1: The infamous last. The infamous infamous last question. Yes, for PJ. please, Tim. Um,
2: before before you ask the question, yes. I would like to say this: I have mad respect for you and the work that you've done with your um, your friend mm-hmm. and the um, the shows that you guys have done. I think it's phenomenal. It's um, outstanding. And one of the most beautiful things is you have this such a loving, kind, friendly, humorous heart that um, those shows alone um, really move people. And I wanted to say thank you because the world needs much more love and kindness. The world needs good men in it. And that demonstrates what a good man you are. And I'm like I'm literally in tears right now for you being such a good man. That's thank you. I'm in tears.
3: <laughs> so, here's what his show is called Handicap This. Uh, for those fans out there from, from Boss Re Society, um, Tim also has another podcast with his co two-man show friend. They're very close. Handicap this. Check it out on iTunes. The show is a traveling show. Um, Lots of good stuff coming up for Tim and Mike for this year. They're coming out with uh, an online product to further promote and have huge reach into their mission, the good work that they're doing around cerebral palsy. And PJ, my friend, I couldn't agree with you more. He is a stellar human being so we're in good company as well as with you pj amazing people
1: thank you thank you i i i'm I'm humbled and i i'm i'm receiving your your accolades i appreciate that very much uh the the last question uh pj that we like to ask our guests and this is you know the best way to describe is what advice what of what is your you know, some of your wisdom, some of your knowledge nuggets that you can offer for our boss free listeners? Um, something that they can do in the next twenty four to forty-eight hours, something like you have talked about about the resistance,
2: something that they can do to get out of that resistance to move their business forward. The very first thing that I would say is learn to breathe and learn to appreciate your breath, because without meditation there is often only stress and so the moment that you start to learn to breathe and appreciate your breath and you find that place of peacefulness you're more creative you're more um, productive you have healthier and better relationships and you feel better about yourself because as entrepreneurs we have a tendency to drive 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 and there's some really great parts about that but we forget to live 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 and it's really important to take the time to breathe take the time to recognize and appreciate that breath And then once you're peaceful, then literally, without thinking, just start to take action. Because when you practice meditation, your mind silences. And when the mental chatter goes away, so does the resistance for getting started. Mm -hmm. So if you ever find that you are resisting um, taking action, pause, breathe for two, three, four minutes with your eyes closed, with your eyes open. But really, and it's not about breathing deeply like everybody says. It's about breathing rhythmically. Breathe in for the same length of time every time you breathe in. Pause for maybe a second or two. Exhale for the same length of time every time you exhale. Maybe you inhale for five seconds and exhale for seven. Whatever works for you. And as you do that, if your mind wanders, recognize, oh, my mind has wandered. Just come back to my breath. Oh, wait, my mind has wandered again. Just come back to my breath. Every time it wanders, come back to your breath. When you feel that sense of peacefulness, take one last breath relish in the peacefulness and get up and take action it doesn't have to be fast movement this is important get up and just start to physically move because if all of a sudden you jump up and you start to move really fast your habitual brain will turn back on and you'll come back into stress mm-hmm. don't do that completely unnecessary for productivity anyway
3: love it wow. Say sage advice huh tim I would say so its stuff? I'm like I'm so zen and peaceful now <laughs> it's
1: definitely, definitely a knowledge nugget
3: <laughs> I'll say okay PJ you are a walking heart like it's just a big love just a big ball of love is what I equate you to so I we I just adore your spirit like in a big 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 way it's such a pleasure to have you on our show it's been such a pleasure to get to know you hear more about the good work that you're doing can't wait to see all that you're going to crank out for this year in a big big way and we just salute you as being boss free and being a part of our tribe and sharing what you know it's been really awesome to have you on the show
2: thank you thank you thank you and if this by chance airs before mid-april um if anybody is really really serious i'm thinking about starting that soulmate attraction system or that 90-day program so make the call quick so you can get in okay before it fills up
3: Absolutely. wonderful we'll have all the details in the show notes thank you guys so much we'll check you out next time bye-bye.
2: i love you both it's my pleasure thanks bye bye-bye
0: thank you for listening to the boss free society podcast if you want more connect with us on facebook at boss free society fan page twitter at boss free society or join our group of other boss free minded peaks at the boss free dojo on facebook